0: Hi, this is Claudia Gray, the author of Lost Stars and Into the Dark, and you're listening to
1: The Living Force. <music>
2: Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. A Yutini Podcast Network production. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. Episode 104, Into the Dark Roundtable Part 2. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. On this episode, new book announcements. The negotiations will be short. Silly rabbit, Black Series figures are for kids. The negotiations were short. And the Utini team continues their roundtable discussion on Claudia Gray's novel, The High Republic, into the dark your focus determines your reality and now here are your hosts dr Corey helton eric eilerson dr charles hankel and wes jenkins
0: all right hello everyone (laughs) welcome in to the living force i am one of your hosts eric eilerson joining me tonight on the most special of nights which is cheryl bell's birthday which we'll get to in a second is the full house. First, we have the doctors, Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, man.
3: You're here. Happy birthday, Cheryl. Always uh, glad to have birthdays on the show, especially when it happens on the live date. That's always fun. So, you know, glad to be here. Glad to be here.
0: And it's great because you're drinking Corona, the official beer of right. family. The
3: official so I think beer of, of pandemics,
0: I, I suppose. Yeah. That's it. That's how it works. We also have Dr. Charles Hankel, who made it. Who I made, made it.
4: it. Guys, I'm here. I'm toasting Cheryl with a. Uh... A lacroix, a lacroix, a lacroix. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Does anybody actually say lacroix? Is that is that besides a thing? me just I now? It
0: for a bit maybe.
3: Oh, I want that I want that shirt, Charles. Oh my god, that oh, is you sick. you like
0: this? Yeah.
3: That is awesome. It, it the, the contrast is stark in the live stream. I'm a big fan. Thank you.
0: I also think that Yoda's eyes very much represent you after a day of clinic. Yeah. yeah. I, listen when you
4: feel 900 years old, you won't look this good.
0: <laughs> well, let's be honest, who could possibly look as good as Wes Jenkins, who also joins us.
5: Great segue. Cheers, Cheryl. Cheers. We went from amazing down to uh, Charles is boring to my extremely boring uh, <laughs> normal H2O water. <laughs> my
0: gosh. I am ashamed, but more so than my shame is my joy for all of you being here with us tonight. Again, an official happy birthday. Cheryl has been a a foundational pillar of this community since time immemorium. And Cheryl, we're so glad that you are in the chat tonight hanging out with us uh, to celebrate your birthday. And of course, for those of you uh, that hang around in our Discord and our Patreon, we'll be celebrating Cheryl's birthday tonight in our Aftermath After Show. But of course, more on that to come. Real quick, uh, because we have been told, we have been told, I have been told, that was the royal we. I like to drop that now and then just (laughs) to keep you all in your place. Uh, Wes, you told me that we activated something new on YouTube tonight for the show. Is that still true? For sure.
5: So um if you look down on your chat um chat box, I guess right next to the uh video, there is a smiley face for custom emojis and right next to it a dollar sign for super Money! chat. Hey, right here <laughs> So if you click the super chat you can throw us a dollar here, a dollar there, and it will it will uh display above the chat and it'll hang up there for a little while to let in case we miss it uh we can come back to it and we can read that specific uh chat if we don't get to the normal chat which we'll still get to but um it's kind of a way to do um just some shout outs or some donations um in the actual chat during the live show so that's right um if you feel if you feel the need please we insist yeah. Buy us beer. <laughs> yeah, hey, feel free, no
0: pressure, but that is just a new feature, because we love features. But more than features, we love our patrons on our Patreon. And we wanted to thank a couple new folks this week. Hannah Lee joined our Patreon. Welcome, hope you're enjoying it. And Buck Johnson upgraded to an annual, an annual patron. That's annual. right. Annual. And hey, your patron, uh, which is a great way to support the show, support Utini and, of course, save a little money throughout the year. Oh, and look at that. Corey, would you mind reading our first oh Super Chat we've ever God. gotten?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, knew super this chat. Would, I knew this would come back to bite me. This says, I, Jedi, is the g- single greatest piece of literature. You know, I, I humbly disagree, Jacob. Humbly. It's a
0: Super Chat. You have to agree legally. <laughs> um but thank you for that. Uh, and, a, and a reminder. For, <laughs> that was great. Uh, we should just cancel it all now. Uh, if you are on our Patreon, uh, we have our new Patreon schedule in April, which will start our three-month delay on our Patreon features. Again, more news on that on the Patreon site itself, which is utini.com slash Patreon. We have a Patreon of the Week. I didn't have a good segue for that because I was going to give it to Charles, but it's audio this week. So, Charles, do you want to intro the Patreon of the Week, I guess? I don't know. Do you feel
4: like that? Um, Sure. Why not? You don't get my illustrious tones this week, but you do get the illustrious tones of none other than James Carson.
1: Hello. My name is James, and I am from Boston, Massachusetts. If you want to find me on Discord, make sure you look for the bow and arrow. Shout out to Kate Bishop, the better Hawkeye. Otherwise, you will be tagging someone else with the same extremely common name. You can usually find me in the assembly chat or in the comics channel, guiding people through 60 years of Marvel Comics. I'm also the Uteni Fantasy Football League champion of the consolation game, but that's beside the point. My Star Wars story has three stages. In 1999, my mother took us to pick up my dad's pre ordered tickets for The Phantom Menace, which came with two action figures, Jar Jar and Darth Maul. We weren't allowed to play with them because we were too young, so they're actually still probably in our basement somewhere, getting more and more valuable by the day. Then in 2005, my friend Shane got dismissed from our fourth grade class to go see Revenge of the Sith. I was obviously very jealous. When I got home, I said, Dad, what's a Star Wars? He called my mom, who was conveniently already at Target, and she came home with the original trilogy box set. Then 10 years later, The Force Awakens came out and I got in deep. Before a bus ride home from NYC, I stopped at Barnes and Noble to find a book to read. The only Star Wars paperback they had was Heir to the Jedi. Luckily, it didn't kill my interest. My favorite Star Wars story is still The Empire Strikes Back. In a movie full of amazing imagery, the one that still sticks with me is the first time I saw the Falcon flying into Cloud City. There are so many exciting moments to remember, but the ethereal nature of Bespin was really cool to 10-year-old me. It's been about a year since I stumbled into the Discord after looking for a new podcast, but the reason I'm a patron is actually thanks to my fellow patron Magdalife, who heavily encouraged me to sign up before Corey's reading of iJedi. That was definitely worth the price of admission. My question for the host is, what kind of droid do you think you would be? Charles and Corey obviously can't pick medical droid because that is boring. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. It is uh, certainly, yeah. certainly true. <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, thank you, James. Again, are you, you teeny discord all-star, I think, is fair to say, especially uh, in the assembly chat group not a cult a group we love you um, you're <laughs> phenomenal um, oh i mean if anybody on our team
3: were to lead a cult it would 100% be heather let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> no question oh what's um, what's, that, what's that office quote it's uh like it's like more exciting to participate in in cults what does he say <laughs> uh, I don't more know. profitable he says more more profitable to lead them i forget what he says it's it's great Oh, well, man
0: Other than Heather leading a cult, James did have a great question. What kind of droid would we be? Um, Dang, there's so many great droids. I mean, my my gut honestly goes that I would just want to basically be Chopper as a whole. Like, I kind of just want to be a little smart mouthy. I want to be able to fly some stuff and be in ships and have a good time, um, but absolutely hit people with like my little claw hands (laughs) and roll around (laughs) on your mid
5: wheel. That's right. Run away. Kind of, and,
0: I, and I'm kind of like made up of some weird parts, much like my PC that I'm building, that is behind uh, you, my. my you can I hardly see that it earlier. Oh, this Dark old, is yeah, nice. it's black, but it's a cube. I I built it with my hands, and it might work next week. So, but yeah, chopper, chopper. Press F for droid. Doubt. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Uh, What <laughs> droids are you guys going to be? Uh, Torture droid, obviously.
3: Jesus! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That checks out. Wait,
0: you and Kalen could be torture droids together because she could be the therapist torture yeah, droid she and could, could be the actual torture droid. Yeah,
3: there we go. There we go. Perfect.
0: Love that. What were you guys?
3: Mm.
5: Oh, man. I'd love to be... Oh, man. Okay.
3: There's a lot of good choices.
5: <laughs> I mean, I'd love to be an assassin droid. But. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, the, tilt, the, the rotating hips. rotating not a good time to say, oh, you Oh, know, man. But...
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, with, the, with yeah. The, the blades from Clone Wars, the vibro blade stuff. Yes, Those that'd dudes? be great.
5: For real. Yeah. And, then, old, well, and for yeah, and then when I get old, I can be a nanny as well, and I can care for the young. Oh, no, you're talking about men. <laughs> oh, an IG, like IG an IG
3: unit. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that'd be hilarious. You'd be a great nanny, Wes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Thanks. Look, you're welcome, uh, <laughs> Charles. What do you got,
0: man? Well,
4: lots of good answers, and I don't want to repeat any. So I feel like I've got a little bit of a protocol droid in me. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but <laughs> like, like you said, it. That. I don't know. I want. I want. Someone i to, like, you know, you can alter droids' behaviors and, and that kind of stuff. I want him to put a little bit of gonk in me. I want, it like, a side of gonk yeah! for like, my <laughs> protocol.
0: All right, you <laughs> that's the next <laughs> shirt. Put a little gonk in me. I'm sure someone um, can help you out with that in the back. If hour. I were <laughs> if I were
3: if I were a protocol droid, I would be that asshole protocol droid on uh, Jabba's palace that's talking to C3PO and he's like, What is your designation? And he's like, Oh hey, yeah. C3PO. He's like, Yes or no we'll do. <laughs> I feel like that's yes. you in clinic, isn't it? Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do you know have any pain? And they start to go into their whole story, yes
0: or no we will do. <laughs> 1 2 10. 1 two 10. <laughs> well, James. Here's a story. Just give me the number. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for unwittingly uh, illuminating us more about Corey's medical career. Uh, and also, thank you for being a patron, man. Love having you as a community. And thank you for uh, being a great voice in the fantasy league as we all desperately try to beat Joxie, who drafted a quarterback in the first mm-hmm. round and won the league. So, next up, because I told Charles we try to be quick and I'm already a liar, we have a decently dense Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Uh, first off, the biggest news, which happened today, as is usually the case, we got a new book announcement, y'all. Inspired by the upcoming animated series, Star Wars Visions, we have Ronin, an original novel by Emma Miko Candon. Uh, this is not a, a novelization of the division the show, but it is inspired by one of the stories. Um, I feel like I say this a lot, but y'all, this came out of nowhere.
3: I know. How many more books do they have up their sleeve this year?
0: They're <laughs> like, already done. Yeah. <laughs> like, do
3: you, listen. When new Star Wars books are announced, I have both this huge moment of of excitement followed by a little sliver a little sliver of like oh god, how are we going to fit
0: all these roundtables tables into the schedule? We have to like live our lives. How are we going to do that? Yeah. There's so
3: much stuff coming out this year. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I'm super excited for this one too, though because, you know, Visions when it when it was announced at the what is it? The Disney event where they announced the 13 shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. Seemed like the mm-hmm. most interesting. For those of you that don't know, Visions is going to be an animated show that's an anthology series that a bunch of Japanese creators are basically given free reign to tell their own Star Wars stories, which is right. awesome. It's going to bring us new art styles, new storytelling styles. And then to have a novel based around like the new kind of Japanese storytelling is like mm-hmm. kind of the most groundbreaking yeah. thing that's happened to canon in a while.
3: Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of chat in, uh, in in our Slack today about, like, what Ronin means, and mm-hmm, it's highly mm-hmm. tied to, like, samurai, like, uh, myth and stuff, so, like, it's really cool. Like, I think it's going to be really, really fun, so I'm excited for this. I hope it's, like, have they talked about the animated animation style yet? I mean, we talked a lot about the uh, old Clone Wars being kind of like that Samurai Jack kind of yeah. style. Like, I would love to see some just straight anime, like...
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're getting a... It, it did get delayed, but we're getting a manga this year, and then we're getting mm-hmm. a Japanese style series, and then we're getting this novel based around that, like they're they're leaning into a whole new demographic of Star Wars storytelling, and I'm freaking here for it. For sure. Okay. Uh Of course, speaking about a whole other demographic of Star Wars fans, our second piece of news was something that happened last week, but we didn't get to talk about it. We got some new Black Series figures with some familiar faces. If we want to throw up the most familiar face, that is Jackson the Rabbit. Got a Black (laughs) Series figure in 2021. That's phenomenal. Oh my God.
3: It's also like highly detailed. Oh yeah. It's like like creepily detailed. Yes, like, look at his <laughs> look at his face, man. He's got like these growth-looking things on it. Like I don't know, man. Look
0: at look at how wide his stance is, too. Like oh, that's why it comes stance. like that. I, know. Yeah, I am here. I am here to be
5: Jackson the Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: I, I love that they did this. Of course, no one was happier than Kevin Scott, uh resident Leppy fanatic uh, on Twitter. He had a great old time. And of course, Jackson was not the only black series that got announced last week. Pre-orders went up. Also for Luke, specifically from Heir to the Empire with, like, an Isla Miri lizard on him. So, uh, straight up uh, Heir to the Empire Legends toy. We had uh, a guy from Crimson Empire that came out. And we had Maul, specifically based on Dark Emp- or *Dark* Dark Horse. There we go. There's a lot of Darks in Star Wars where you think about it for a second. <laughs> from the Dark Horse comics. And, y'all, why did we get four <laughs> Legends Black series? I mean, it's awesome, but Okay. I, I you know,
3: we've we've said uh we've said a thousand times that there's a lot of value to legends, There's a lot of cool things. Like like it would be it would be foolish to say that Disney just like they took they took canon and they just wiped out legends. That's not what they did right. at all. I mean no. it's a lot of canon is incredibly inspired by legends, right? So yeah. you No, know, it's all it's all Star Wars storytelling and I think there's a big demographic for that. I think a lot of collectors like especially the further out we get from from like Star Wars Legends being actively done, like twenty fourteen was, was the, you know, sort of final final chapter right um you know we're approaching a decade of of being sort of legends is retired kind of so i think the further out we get the more nostalgic and maybe valuable some of that stuff gets right so yeah you know, I, I hope they continue to do that um, pull stuff from legends and absolutely um We'd yeah
0: love that and and of course you know if you were lucky to get your hands on them great because i'm pretty sure these sold out
6: yeah um, at least jackson did
0: <laughs> which is I want to tell baby Kevin Scott that, hey, guess what? When you're an adult, you are going to be able to write about Jackson, and then they're going to make a toy of Jackson, and everyone's going to want to buy (laughs) it. Amazing stuff will happen. Uh, And, of course, another amazing thing that happened. These segues are just coming to me naturally, y'all, and they're really great when I call them out. Uh, We got an announcement that coming up for Pride Month, we're going to get a lot of comic variant covers in honor of the LGBTQ+. uh, Heroes and characters of Star Wars, starting with one of our favorites. Uh, that is Sana Staros uh, mm. from Afra, from the Star Wars comic. Um, oh, God, that art is so freaking good. Uh, but they announced on StarWars.com that a lot of the series are going to get variant covers featuring uh, those characters for Pride Month, including Erica Quell is getting a variant cover, which I thought was amazing, and uh, Lando Calrissian is getting a variant cover, which is confirming something that a lot of people had thought about had heard about uh, of his queerness. So, awesome win for that community. Again, we love anytime Star Wars kind of pushes representation forward. Each new book, now it feels like an accepted thing that it's going to have a queer character at least. So, love that they're putting this in the comics and giving a lot of queer artists the opportunity to draw these characters as well. And hey, you know, more comic art ain't ever a bad thing. That's right. You know? That's right. So, <clears throat> Stoked for that. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for all the different series. They're going to have those if you are a collector. And finally, it's a lot of news this week. We got the official cover for the Life Day Treasury coming from George Mann and Kevin Scott. This is the next book in the Myths and Fables Dark Legends line. I'm not going to say trilogy because I think there's more coming. Uh, But this is the official cover with with Santa Stellanjeros. Look at that. It's like Batman Santa, Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Batman Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Very festive. This, this is a sick photo. This is like the most realistic uh, photo we've seen from this era, too, I think. Like, Yeah. it's it a lot of detail on did, his lightsaber and stuff.
0: Yeah, because Grant Griffin did the art. He's done all the art for these books. And the, Kevin did confirm this is the first time we've seen Coruscant in the High Republic era is the cover of the Life Day Treasury. Nice.
6: It's
3: beautiful. <laughs>
0: What's more Star Wars than that? Uh, except for maybe the second uh, picture that they gave us, which if you want to throw that up for a second, which is the Wookiees <laughs> from Life Day! The Life oh, Day, wow.
3: bro! It looks like... Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the the uh, crystal ball from Lord of the Rings that... <laughs> the Palantir. Think- yes, the Palantir. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> like oh, my even God. Hold, they were holding it with like a sleeve like Gandalf did, like, so he wouldn't touch it. Fool of a took.
0: I... I... <laughs> I can't believe that they're canonizing the robes from the freaking holiday special. I I can. They're there. Yeah. I'm all about it. Gosh. In a week where we got a confirmation of a new book and a bunch of new covers with all these great characters, we also got a Jackson toy and a Life Day picture. So welcome to Star Wars of 2021, everyone. Uh, It continues on going. And as a reminder to you all. So that's. Charles, was that okay? Did I get through that news quick enough? That was so fast. Thanks, buddy. I do what I can. <laughs> but not to shortchange you all. Uh, all this stuff is coming out later this year. Check out the Yatini release schedule for that, where you may find, to my left here, the script book for Dr. Afro, the audio drama. Uh, our friend the Del Delray were kind enough to send an early copy over here, which we cannot talk about until the end of the month. Um, but this is coming out April 6th. You can order it now. And of course, Throne Ascendancy Greater Good on April 27th is coming up. Uh, Way way too quickly for Charles' liking. Uh, Let's be clear about that. (laughs) Can't confirm. (laughs) I'm going to throw it over to our very own Dr. Charles Hankel, master of the round tables, and we're going to finish talking about Into the Dark. Charles, where were we last week?
4: All right. So where we were was actually still in our character section, like we typically do on the first part, but we had just gotten to the big bad villains of this book. So the first people I actually want to talk about is – uh nan hag and the rest of the nile all right we're, we're just gonna remember y'all these are spoiler filled round so i'm gonna go ahead and get this out there spoiler alert
2: spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert
6: uh everything's under control situation normal
4: nan is a nile okay nan is a nile. <laughs> and we got to talk about that y'all does claudia gray have a thing for making small, seemingly innocent female characters become the villain. Because regardless of whether or not you consider this a trend, uh, this happened in Master and Apprentice, and now it's happening again in Into the Dark. So is, is she just having fun with, with that, trying to subvert our expectations, or is she actually mm. trying to say something? Is there, is there something to be learned?
0: That, like, little girls are evil?
4: I don't know. You tell yeah, me, like, Eric.
0: That, like, don't trust him. Uh, Connie Gray does seem to like deception. You know, she likes kind of like deception, the, the, the bait and switch lately. Yeah, that's a good point. So but I didn't trust her.
4: So you didn't try? Did Did y'all think that she was evil? Just out of curiosity, like, did you pick up on that fact or suspect her before she revealed herself? I, I, did, not. I, I did not. I didn't.
5: I'll be I honest, had a no. sneaking no. suspicion. There, there's a she was. Sorry, go ahead. It was voice. kind of odd. It was kind of odd how it's this young girl was out there with her older caregiver just happened to be out there, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like there's got to be more something to this, but I didn't think she was a nihil. I didn't think she was dastardly in that kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, and I th- and I think it was kind of cool to have that revelation after having read Light of the Jedi where we've seen the dev, like, how awful the Nile can be. And, like, really, like, the because they don't really go into that a whole ton in this book. It's a little more focused on the other villains, which we'll get to. So knowing that going in, when she says, oh, she's a Nile, all that was just uploaded. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, so much of that work was done already for this character. And I think that's one of the cool things about The High Republic is that, I mean, Star Wars Publishing as a whole, is that they do so much work in other books that you can just kind of build on. That was kind of fun.
5: Yeah, and I don't recall um, in uh, what in *Light of the Jedi*. I don't recall yeah, yeah, that the there book. was, yeah, there was more. <laughs> it was, it was more like warriors, right? At that with mm-hmm. the Nile, <clears throat> so and she's brought a different aspect to what the Nile. There's more than just yeah, warriors like families, out there. exactly. Yeah. That's a hell weird, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
4: There, so. There's a moment early, early-ish in the book where she's muttering something to herself, and she says, paths will cross. And that was, I think, the first kind of inclination that you got that maybe she was a Nile. Technically, paths, like the word was starting the sentence, but it was capitalized. And so I saw that, and I was mm-hmm. like, hmm. But <laughs> to your point, to your point, on page 362, Nan has this to say about being a Nile. She says, our family joined the Nile together. They offered us the chance for a better life than we could ever have had otherwise. My mother and father were proud of their choice. I'm proud of their choice. When they died in a raid, I was taken in by Hague. By then, I knew I'd always be small, that I'd have to learn how to fight smarter since I'd never be stronger, that I'd need strategic skills. Who better to teach that than a man who can no longer fight with his body and has to use his brain? So exactly like you're saying... Nan and Hague are very atypical for Niall, at least as far as we've seen so far through Light of the Jedi. I mean, we saw no elderly people. We saw no children mm-hmm. in Light of the Jedi, but apparently they exist. And I'll also say that Nan and Haig, their attitudes seem to be a little bit different as well. They are not quite as malicious as what we've seen before. Does all of this fit with a new picture of the Nile, or do you think that they are kind of the exception to the rule?
3: I mean, I I certainly, thinking of Nile, I I certainly picture, like, a bunch of drug-using, like gangsters right so like yeah that's how I, that's how i picture in my head so to think that there's like little girls and old men like just hanging out amongst those people wearing the mask. are they there at the feast and stuff and wearing the mask and
5: cheering and going crazy and stuff is that are they in that crowd too Ooh. i mean are they like yeah or do those people just go home after they do all their drugs they're like, like how's hey. your meeting honey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> puts his puts his mask up on the
0: on the wall on maybe you know what maybe this is just because i've been watching uh, a lot of madmen lately but that sounds possible like they all go to the <laughs> office and they all drink all day and then they come home and they're like well hello back in the suburbs of the nile where <laughs> they're just hanging out
3: exactly i mean but
0: that it's also a commentary on like gang life as it is, is in the real world and has been in star Wars. Right. It's like yeah. people join gangs for security and right. and fa- it's a family tradition. So right. I do agree with Corey. I think the vast majority of the Nile are still like that one chapter that will never leave Corey's mind of Mark Thompson yelling about riding the storm uh, for I light of the Jedi. So much. <laughs> uh, I think that's definitely what they're going to be in my head, but this, this extra element fleshed them out in, in kind of a cool way. Just one that I don't think we're going to see repeated too much.
4: Yeah. Yeah. One other interesting moment involving the Nile in this book came on page 383, and it was right after the Drangir had been released, and we're obviously going to talk about them in detail here in a minute, but the quote says this, For a second, the Nile hesitated. That second was long enough for Wreath to recognize that these were raiders, not warriors, and their courage faltered in a conflict where no profit was to be had. And that really struck me as well Mm. because the picture that I got from Light of the Jedi was that the Nile were very much warriors and that they were to be feared for that matter. Um, Here, did the Nile's apparent fear of the Drengear or or this moment, did it lessen their status as villains in your mind? Or do they seem any less threatening to you in this book as compared to what we saw in Light of the Jedi? Dude,
3: what are they? Drengear? Drengear. Dream geared, man. These things are freaking scary, dude.
4: <laughs> I pictured
3: like really evil, really fast ints from Lord of the Rings. Man, uh, I want a Lord of the Rings kick tonight. <laughs> I mean, seriously. To be fair,
4: Corey, you were reading this surrounded by terrariums, so it, it probably that's, had a bigger impact correct. on you.
3: That is yeah. correct. And I did just binge watch all the Lord of the Rings special editions, like the super oh. long ones, and we just finished the Hobbit last week. So That'll you know. do it. All
0: right, I I get that. Now but to God, I want to watch those. I'm, I'm so excited to rewatch those again. <laughs> uh, but to your point, Charles, I, I do think it was interesting that like the these particular novels did seem to branch out from like the normal cut of the mill, and I, I I did find that a little bit not confusing, but it was definitely different, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have the suicide bomber essentially with Light of the Jedi like going crazy, being like we're gonna fight to the death, and now these ones are maybe not at that point yet. They're like, no, we just get riches and then we go home. Like and then we like we leave it alone. Like that is all they really want to do. And then they find the drain gear and they're like, ooh no! And maybe that kind of stuff starts to weed them out. You know,
4: weed them out.
5: I get it. Weed that was, them I, out. I did
0: two other ones before you guys caught on. I was wondering how many I was going to have to put in the Weed show.
4: <laughs> them out. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's talk about those evil dark side weeds that we're we're referencing the drain gear. All right, they first appeared on page 304, and their first words, their first words we ever get out of them are, and I quote, finally, some meat. <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> on that same page looks like me back on menu. the menu boys <laughs> <laughs> what about the legs they don't need
6: those
3: <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing but Maggie eat bread for three stinking
5: days <laughs> yeah
0: why can't we have some meats? okay
5: oh these are all <laughs> great clips wonderful <laughs> boys
0: uh, Cheryl makes a great point the drain gear oh. are angry Groot Ents yeah, it is absolutely all the tree things from all popular yeah, culture, totally. in exactly. One listen, I
3: have to, I have to say the entire the entire drink Dream, Dream gear like arc in this book was was probably the uh, the most enjoyable part of the book for me. Like I, mm. I didn't, I, I wouldn't say that I loved this book. Like it's not, I don't think it would make it in my top like twenty or something like that. But like mm. the all of the all of the tree stuff when they went to that planet and stuff with that crazy transporter technology that nobody knew how to use, like. That is like straight legend stuff, man. Like yeah. that stuff happened all the time in Legends. So like it felt really nostalgic. It really sucked me in. Like the world building was good. It was scary. Like the galaxy felt like scary and unknown and there's a lot of mystery surrounding it. And I really enjoyed that whole stuff. So when they were like crazy evil, I really I really liked it. I was a big fan.
0: Yeah, it it's interestingly, I'm gonna say the Drengear might have been my least favorite part of the book. Really, is, I know. Well, and here's so the thing.
3: interesting.
0: I know. It's just, that's why this book is interesting. I think because it does it does take a lot of strong stances, and I think that I would rather have that mm-hmm. than not, frankly, in Star Wars. Um, but I think that I it might have been just because I loved the Nile so much in Light of the Jedi, and loved when we found out the Nile thing. I'm like, oh, cool. And then the Drengear came in, and I was like, cool. But did, but like I. <laughs> Like and I I I always love Jedi... tree
3: people.
0: Yeah, great. Like people, not exactly my kind of treat. If you know what I mean, it might be barking up the wrong tree. Um, but I uh, I don't know. I I just felt like I always love seeing <laughs> Jedi like go a little crazy. Like Des losing his mind was really fun. Like whenever we see the dark side corrupt, that's like peak Star Wars. I mean, that's that's what they do, you know. But. For some reason, it might have been like a little Spider-Man Three syndrome for me, where they try to put in like Sandman and Venom and Harry Osborn. Like by the time we got three hundred pages in, you said Charles, we got to the drain Gear, I was like, uh, okay, just I don't know. I, I want I want a little more bang, a little more a little more uh, bite than
5: bark, if you will. I was see, I was kind of on the fence on on but so I liked it and I didn't like it. I liked that it was so. Off the wall, different than what we've been reading in canon for a while. Like, yeah, a giant slender man, like, weed people. <laughs> yes. that's, what I, that's what I picture like, a 10 foot tall <clears throat> slender man weed person. Um, I like how different it was, but then again, like, it was like, I was like, plant people, I mean, you to take some hedge clippers and just, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. it. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, but it's a lightsaber hedge clippers, it's yeah. so just like. <laughs> so you're talking about all the clips tonight Wes my gosh you're talking about how different
4: these things are I want to talk about the best description that we got about them and it was also on page 304 and it reads like this the creature that stood before them was two meters tall gnarled and hulking it possessed nothing as central as a trunk instead it seemed to be a slithering mass of thorned vine tentacles many of them plated in bark-like armor there did seem to be a kind of head, one antlered with thorns and possessed of a wide, grinning mouth like the trap of a carnivorous plant designed to snap shut on its prey. So, I mean, that's out there. That's definitely out there. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm with y'all. I did find it enjoyable. One thing, though, that I wonder is, do you find yourself wishing that you didn't already know the twists with the Drengir? gear? That, like that yes. the promotion for this book was done differently because they were highlighted, you know, up front with, yeah. with the High Republic. They showed us them right away, they named them, they showed concept art, all this stuff, and then they were like the twist in this novel. So do you wish that yeah. it maybe happened differently?
0: Hundred percent. I because honestly the, the concept art is fun. Like they're I mean it's a great it's a great job of making a a character, but I think just on that description, if I hadn't seen that Maybe I would have thought of like these like Resident Evil esque giant leaf things with like antler crowns. And like, it, it would, I, like, my imagination could have gone a little further than making him a little creepier. Whereas, like, I love that we're getting so much concept art for the High Republic. Like, I want to know what my Jedi look like. I love seeing Marky and Rowe. Like, it's awesome, 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 awesome. This is the one where it did hurt me a little bit. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah.
5: I don't remember seeing the concept art, so it kind of threw me for a loop. Right when I read it, uh,
0: I, I, remember,
6: no, I remember. I remember talking. I remember
3: talking about it. Now that you bring it up, but like I forgot about it going into the book. Yeah, but you know, Aww. Wes, you, you and I also didn't finish this like a month and a half after Eric. So you know, that's true. That's true. We did We did, we did, power, we did power through it. I wish I didn't
0: remember things like you, innocent little sunflowers. My goodness,
3: ignorance is bliss. Man. You know what?
0: You know what? You know who ruined this book? The internet. That's it.
4: It's true. It's true. You know, on the flip side of that coin, just to make sure that we are expressing all views here, I did think it was fun in a way to know, you know, something that the Jedi Mm -hmm. did not. Right. It, it, I think it did provide Ooh. some suspense and, and I don't know, it sure. made it a little fun in that way. I mean, that yeah. is a, that is a storytelling medium, right? Yeah. Like that is a, yeah. a
3: like a, that is a format in which you sort of throw the twist out first. And like the audience, it's like how Shakespeare plays worked, right? Like, yeah.
0: And Chekhov's gun, where you show the gun at the beginning of the scene, hide it under the table. And then everyone comes in yeah. and you're like, oh. like, I exactly. know what's there. The it dramatic irony is rich. It does. It I paid $120,000 to learn where a check gun was on stage, and it finally <laughs> paid off in this podcast. <laughs> Worth it. All right. You did it, Mom. <laughs>
4: so we found out on page 314 that the Sith are the ones who trapped the Drangir originally. So do mm-hmm. you think this is only kind of – Tangentially related, but do you think the Drengeer have any sort of connection to the force? Or are they just purely weird plant people? And do they have any more importance, you think, because the Sith felt it necessary to trap them? Mm. What do, I don't know what the what do the statues do exactly, right? Like what, what do they do? Is
3: it like a force stasis thing? Like I think I would need a more of an explanation of how they yeah. work.
0: For it's the, like how in, in if if anyone's played the God of War PS4 game you open chests by, like, smashing these vases that have runes on them. And if you smash them all, then the chest opens. I think that's essentially what it is. Like, if you smash the idols, then, like, the, the force field holding the drankir at bay mm. kind of stopped them. And if that's the case, I think, one, the story is trying to tell us that they were so evil and so full of the dark side that even the Sith didn't want to mess with them. And I think that's a cool storytelling device. I think that's a great way to add stakes onto your new character from a literary standpoint. I don't know if it stoked that much fear within me personally, but I like what what the intention was behind that. I really did enjoy that part. And I think it does make them uh I think that does make them a force. I think that does make them a, a a villain to be reckoned with if the Sith were actually afraid of something, you know?
5: Yeah, I mean, or they were just a royal pain in the ass because uh, also I mean, true. If you if you cut off one of their arms, doesn't it regenerate mm-hmm. like like a like a plant? Yep. So <laughs> it's just constantly coming back at you, and you're like, when is this going to end? Just throw up the statues and get them to freeze.
2: <laughs> like, well, I forgot I had all, lot, all the dark idols with
5: easier. me. I'm sorry,
0: man. <laughs> like that's how it went. I want that story.
4: <laughs> all right. Well, I don't. Well, I don't know what to do from there other than just move on to overarching <laughs> questions. So that's well, what it's I, so I, er, I want to hit one girl. thing,
0: because Amy, Amy put it in the chat, that we mentioned it in, round, in the p- part one, that Claudia Gray mentioned there was a big event that was removed from this book and assigned to another story. Yeah. I do wonder if some of that was like, had to do with the idols and the drink gear and the trapping. Because like, we did a little bit of that, but it wasn't like... I don't know. It felt like maybe there was more... That was gonna be made with that. Did you guys think that might like was that maybe the thing that got left out? What would you I think? Possibly. That know. Reject-
3: I, I, I don't really want to speculate anymore. <laughs> That's
0: fair. That's fair. What,
3: what is it, not it, useful. Just, just just because like it's a you know if you if you if you approach a whole book like that with that speculation, it'll just drive you nuts. Because you're hundred yeah, we'll percent we'll, right. We'll never 100% know. Right. We'll never know. Yeah.
5: yeah. I'd love to yep. get the backstory on it though. What was taken out and what was that? specific part of the book but somewhere else let's
3: make it uh, i want to see it in a really dramatic documentary like 20 years from now like talking about all the horrible (laughs) shit that happened working for lucasfilm
0: exclusively (laughs) on disney plus yeah (laughs) Yeah. great point yes
4: Uh, all right let's do it charles okay overarching question time and we have plenty of them i'm gonna start you off with a softball in your mind what is the dark that the title is referring to into the dark
0: Ah hmm. uh, yes the softball yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, so easy. is it literally just like the dark side like is it is it touching pure darkness uh, like, it's just space
3: it's space bro it
0: just it, <laughs> it, 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 it was originally called going to space but they're like claudia that sucks
5: <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time we've seen dark side lore in the high republic though like, the Sith, yes. apparently the Sith Yes, did, unless the... So Markeon
0: mentions it, but they don't, he doesn't actually yeah. employ it as far as we know.
3: Unless his his uh, stone phallic object that he has...
0: <laughs> <Phallic>. <laughs> <His> purple torture <laughs> rod... <laughs> Yes. We're going to get that, another weird uh, iTunes review. I swear is. to God. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we haven't said this in months. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us some ratings and reviews.
3: Yes. Just don't tell us that we swear too much because that is objectively false.
0: <laughs> All right. So we don't, don't swear enough. we don't know. We don't know what the dark
1: is. <laughs>
4: We don't know what the dark is, but I think, I think we're I think heading it into, into it right now. So
0: Yes, we are. We're plunging, baby. Dive, dive, dive.
4: All right, so let's move on.
5: Different question. Um. <laughs> Jose, like a Jose spin, had a spin, spin, good. spin. Jose uh, had a good point. Jose had a good point. It's going into a mission without knowing what they're going to find. Yeah, yeah that's true. A, oh, that's true. true. Going like, into it blind. Yeah,
0: because you're right. The, the typical adventure story is we know the enemy. We're going to go fight them and do this thing. There is like there's something on this station. You know, it yeah. reminds me of did you guys ever play i uh, Pre- I'm going I guess I'm gonna a video games kick. Do You guys ever play prey?
5: the most no, recent I know one what you're talking about, though.
0: Yeah, you're like on a on a space station all by yourself and it's all dark and it's really freaking creepy. But that I definitely got some of those vibes.
5: OK, well,
4: tell me this. How did this telling of the great disaster hit you? no pun intended, did it hold the same <coughs> weight of the first telling in Light of the Jedi? Because this time we actually got to, to experience it with one group and kind of stick with them through all of the aftermath. So did that kind of change your experience yeah. at all? There were,
3: there were a few details in this book that, about the Great Disaster that kind of bothered me a little bit, to be honest. Like um, in, in Light of the Jedi, there were, it was hard to figure out like, what the great disaster was, right? Like, there was like all these, like, there was a lot of mystery in the first half of the book of trying to identify is it a ship? There's people on board. Like, there was a lot of build up to that. And in this book, the characters almost like superpower, like just figured it out in like two seconds, right? Like, and that was a little jarring. I mean, given this is a young, young adult book, so that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. you, know, you can never forget this is young adult. That does change the the nature a little bit. Yeah, and they and um, they
0: did like obviously not want to retread the whole thing because they assume everyone, most people reading true. this have read Light of the Jedi. That's but true. I, I do agree though that it it didn't. I mean, God, those those prologue chapters were just. We're something special in light of the Jedi that mm. like setting up the great disaster through the eyes of all those or- ordinary yeah. quote unquote people. Yeah. That's kind of a once in a publishing mm-hmm. cycle kind of thing you need to do. Yeah. So I get why they did it, but I think yeah. you're right. Corey, I think they do sacrifice a little bit of emotional. Oomph.
5: Yeah. It seemed rather quick. It seemed rather quick. And they moved on to the the core story of mm-hmm. the book, if you will. And they le- kind of left that out.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh wow, billions of people may have died, but the yeah. idols of darkness. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Alright, I'm sure they'll be fine. I mean these plant monsters, pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <Yes>. goodness. <laughs> like, Gosh, I wonder if all those galaxies are going to be destroyed by all those ships. Will hyperspace ever be reopened? Or, hey, Orla, we used to come here when we were kids, didn't we? <laughs> like, <laughs> Read the room, guys. <laughs> Have you met my friend? He's a rock.
4: <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Master Jorah's riddle. Transition. Dude. Yeah. I, I, sometimes oh, all you can man. do is just move on.
0: That's right, baby. Let's
4: Enough. Let's talk a little bit about God. Master Jorah's riddle for Wreath. Maybe we can be a little bit more serious with this one. All
1: right. All right. She, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she
4: tells him this. Neither you nor any other Jedi has ever crossed the Kyber Arch alone, nor will anyone ever do so. When you know the answer why, I believe you'll understand why we're headed to the frontier. And just to remind everyone, the Kyber Arch we found out in this novel is essentially kind of like an art piece that's used for meditation made out of the Kyber crystals of all of the Jedi who have fallen in battle, that they've been able to recover these crystals. And it's used almost as... Uh, the centerpiece in this room that people meditate. And periodically, Jedi will try to cross this physically. They will walk across Mm -hmm. the Kyber Arch and back. And Master Jor is asking, how is it that no Jedi can do that alone? Wreath is very confused by this because Jedi do it alone all the time, or at least that's what he understands. But ultimately, he does answer the riddle. And the answer to the riddle is that no Jedi can cross the Kyber Arch alone because the Arch itself would not exist without those prior Jedi who had fallen in battle. Those kyber crystals wouldn't have been gathered. They wouldn't have formed into mm-hmm. the kyber arch, right? So that's the answer to the riddle itself. But help me to understand this part. How exactly does it explain then why Reef needs to go to the frontier? Because that's what Master Jora is really trying to drive at. She said, when you answer this, you will know why we need to go to the frontier. So why is that? Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: So in Master and Apprentice, Claudia Gray spins some of the most brilliant Star Wars prophetic language uh, that we've ever seen in literature, right? Like some of her prophecies, some of her work is just beautiful stuff. Um, this was a bit lower than her normal par for me, because I do think I agree with you, Charles. I'm not sure actually how that fits. I think it was a little bit of a stretch. I think that there was like no Jedi's ever alone because you have the Force with you, the for I'm you know the Force is with me, all that kind of stuff. Like that seemed pretty uh, clear, I guess. It, and for someone that studies as much as Reeth, it seemed like it kind of played him a little below his intelligence to have that lesson. But then again, if the lesson was so you have to go to the frontier, I'm like, oh yeah, of course he didn't get that because I I didn't get it. Yeah. Um
3: maybe, maybe it's something that yeah. comes back later. Perhaps mm-hmm. like he looks back on it as a it drives him nuts now that this master's gone and he doesn't he still hasn't figured it out. Like I don't know. Like I would like to see see maybe explained a little more. I don't know. I couldn't really figure that out either. Okay. It, then he crosses it in the book and like
0: yeah, yeah. And he's, Which he has after, to. It's the hero even, story. You know. I know. But, I know. But even after
3: but, he crosses it, he's like, what the hell? I don't get this stupid riddle.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he kind he kind of like would, got off after crossing it was just like.
0: Okay. <laughs> like, that was it. <laughs> I did it. Like, and, yeah, I guess the, she
4: was just wrong, uh, and there's no lesson at all. Anyways.
6: <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's see. I'm gonna read, uh, in the chat, Cheryl brings up a point. Uh, she says, I just think it's literally like in order to grow, you need to learn alongside others who have different life experiences and views. So that, might, that may like totally that. be it. That like, the Kyber yeah. crystals were gathered from those that went off and had adventures, and they get to teach people later on, so if you don't do your part, then you're not going to be able to add your story to this arch. You're not going to be able to influence the Jedi going forward yeah. and kind of so do your role. Right. I, I like that. Sure, I like that. Cheryl, that's good.
4: Get her a They're seat. Kind of Get her it's a good. seat. Get her a square in this live show. Um, yeah. With, right?
5: every, with every fallen Jedi, there's an, there's an additional reach for them to have their teachings and to, to grow outside of their core, like outside of core science, let's say. And then, um, so if he wants to, I don't know, to if they, he needed to go to the frontier is because he needs to expand his reach, just like yeah. all those other people before him.
0: Reach, Silas, but not <laughs> die. Yeah, I like Get that the, too. <laughs> Ooh, right. and Cad Ka- uh, Ben also, uh, we got our comment section is always so great. Cad uh, Ben says maybe it was an odd way of implying that he can't sufficiently progress as a Jedi by by learning in solitude and staying on Coruscant that he needs to make sacrifices, light the contributions to the arch. So yeah, mm-hmm. very similar idea. I think that's, that's definitely it. Yeah.
4: Thanks guys. All right. Well, thanks chat. I'll ask you all next time. Yeah. Uh, but yep. <laughs> we're useless up here. I I <laughs> want to move on to a big section of the overarching questions. Um, Over K- Kyber arching questions. Oh my God. Y'all. <laughs> Hi,
0: Coda. Aaron, I, say hi. You, uh, y'all listen. So, you
5: are on point tonight. This has been Joe. Uh, this has been Comedy Central uh, Premium Blend.
3: <laughs> 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 We've had so many pet appearances tonight, too. I've been attacked by Ray and Kylo.
4: Now, Coda's in here. Hey, Coda's making
3: moves. I like Coda's
0: eyes. Yeah, I know. Like, all we see is the eye of Coda. <laughs> oh, never mind. Sorry. He's going to go Bye. get a toy
4: to attack me with next. But. All right, next part of the round, part of this overarching question section, I'm calling it The Failings of the Jedi because Claudia Gray Ooh. does not shy away from calling out the Jedi on some stuff. It was a part of her writing that we actually loved in Master and Apprentice, and she did pick okay. up on some of those same kind of thought processes. In this book, and the first one came nice and early, page 11, and it reads like this. When the searchers went around looking for force-sensitive infants, they only checked for potential ability, not temperament, and certainly not preferences. Nobody ever asked the younglings, would you like to become a swashbuckling heroic knight, or would you rather stay home and read? Some people, however <laughs> courageous and capable they might be, still preferred reading stories to living them, and Wreath was among that number. So straight up, why is it okay for Jedi to kidnap little kids? Why?
5: <laughs> uh, to help the galaxy, they're gonna need it. They, they, they yeah. foresaw it.
3: This has been a, this has been addressed a bunch of times that the Jedi don't kidnap the kids. Like they discuss with the parents and just highly coerce them into giving up their child. Oh. right? it's a little different. Yeah. You sound like <laughs> one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that for the. Yes, because we, we talked about this a lot on, honestly, our, our Phantom Menace episode or something, because obviously, you know, the Anakin <clears> whole thing is like, you're not a slave anymore. You're going to come here, and you got a bunch of rules. You got to stay in this house. Don't leave. Like, it's the same kind of deal. But I, I do think that's an important part when we, we read more about Jedi being found as children is, you know, they go to the parents and say, your child has four sensitive abilities. We can take them, and they will learn, and they can basically serve the galaxy and you know in this illustrious order. It is an honorable thing. Right. So I think that's it. It's there is an honor, especially at this point, at the peak of the Jedi. Right. High Republic is like they're all stars. They're absolute heroes. Someone comes to your house and says, hey, your kid is going to be a Jedi. And, you know, will you sacrifice your part by letting them go to play a part in the song of the galaxy? And I think that's that's the gist. Mm -hmm. That's what I'd say, even if it was a lie okay
4: I'd be interested to see uh, I don't know maybe some stories about parents who said no I think that's kind of interesting mm. but
5: yeah that that is interesting because what what I mean there's like no you can't take him they are like alright whatever we're taking it I mean, like, there is no is not, the, is not answer. Well, well hey you know what
0: that's kind of that is kind of like force collector the book we never did a round table on well that's but, why like, I'm that's, not familiar yeah, but then <laughs> That is kind of what happens is that the force runs in the family and they kind of try to deny it and the kid finds out by himself. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the scariest thing. That's like the X-Men thing, right? Is that you're 16 and all of a sudden you accidentally, you know, blow up a building with your powers you didn't know you had. Yep.
5: Um, yep. Which is bad.
4: That is bad. Is bad. <laughs> well, something else that's bad happened on page 92. And it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Affie thinking. And she says... Or the book says, rather, she didn't dislike any of the Republic types, actually, but it was very obvious how much they thought they were the ones bringing wisdom and knowledge about time they learned better. And this really caught my fancy, because at face value, the job of the Jedi in the High Republic seems very noble, right, to bring peace Mm -hmm. to the far reaches of the galaxy, but is that also kind of the height of arrogance? Like, do they think that yes. they are better than everyone in the outer reaches of space? And, and, Corey, before you answer, might might this be looked at as sort of an allegory for Manifest Destiny? I mean, why did the Jedi have to go, or, or the Republic, even, why does mm-hmm. it have to spread to the outer reaches? Is it something that those people even want?
0: Yeah. They just want yeah. the
4: resources, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah.
0: I want freedom, justice, security, my new empire. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah, man, you nailed it. I mean, (laughs) that's, the Starlight Beacon is kind of the example of, you know, idyllic hope. It's the best of intentions that is definitely subconsciously the Manifest Destiny empirical and expansion. Like, oh, no, you're not happy, actually. You need the Republic, and some of them do, and uh, some of them are like, "Hey, have some water," but also your clothes are dumb. <laughs> Wear ours instead, and that's like how colonialism kind of starts to happen.
5: Like, it's...
3: How, how white of the High Republic? <laughs>
5: yeah, it's a very tunnel vision. <gasps> it is looking. It at is. At it. Looking, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, I, 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 and I do I don't, think I don't. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: I mean, let's. I mean, I, I think it does help that there's like clearly like if we go to the behind the scenes for a second of it all like it helps that there is a a, like a diverse group of creators and a diverse readership that are creating this thing that's not just like and all the white people want to do manifest destiny books like that's a (laughs) rough look um but it is kind of inescapable as a theme and i'm excited to see how that i think we said that maybe in the light of the jedi roundtable to see if that becomes more of a thing the further we get into the era, the further we get into the projects about the Starlight Beacon itself.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's very smug of them to think that they know what's better for other people. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: Sorry, Cheryl. Yeah. Smelling like a... their own
5: farts. No, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sounds like a cult. This
0: is, this is the cult we talked about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, it is a cult. Everything
4: sure. in Star Wars is a cult. All right. <laughs> anyways that's another one of my really good segues that uh that's right. You're killing i it. want to talk about comac because a lot of the yeah. failings of the jedi quote-unquote as i'm calling them come from comac you know or, or him having those thoughts rather and his meditation <laughs> his meditation thoughts on page 128 um, are as follows how does the dark side take form anywhere? Sometimes I think we, the Jedi, must be somehow to blame. We who refuse to look at the force in full, to examine the darkness as well as the light. How can we split the force in two? How can we justify such an act of violence? And it is violence, such a dividing, even the darkness divided from the light. And then he goes on on page 421, so much later, but he, he talks about a similar thing. He says, The darkness is as much a part of the force as the light the Order thinks it can bisect the Force so neatly as though the primal living energy of all existence were a thing to be sliced and served. Wreath took a moment to consider. Doesn't that separation keep us safe? Does it, Master Comac said? Or does the divide only make the darkness darker, more dangerous than it ever would have been in a state of nature? So is, uh is great at being a Jedi Master. You just answer a question with a question. But... I think we should try to (laughs) answer that question here. Let's settle this once and for all. Is the dark side a bad thing or not? Because there's this never-ending debate in Star Wars material, I feel like more so in canon than we even ever got in Legends, about whether or not Jedi should study the dark side. Is it an inherently bad thing or is the Force just the Force and all that matters is how you use it? I mean this came this was in the sequel trilogy. This has been in countless novels now up to this point and we keep raising the question and never really answering it. And so I want to get your thoughts.
3: Right, because there's all this talk about balance in the in mm-hmm. canon stuff, right? There's always going to be dark and light. So like how can you only It's like like Luke says in uh, the last Jedi like it's folly to believe that the Jedi represent the light. Like Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for this question. I think this is a this is like one of those philosophical, foundational questions in Star Wars. Is is the nature of the Force? Is, the, is what what is it? Is it light side, dark side? Like, is it bad? Is it good? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's I think it's how you wield it is the obvious answer.
5: Yeah. Um Are there any uh, examples of Jedi or Force users that both? Uh, study both the light and the dark and then are indifferent to either or, or just the dark the ben- always takes over unless you're been the Bindu, Yeah. The Bendu, the Bendu, yeah. Like, the Bendu okay. is
0: probably the clearest. Um, I think for, for me, like no, no, like thought experiments, no like bitch, just like purely what I believe as like in all honesty, um, is that absolutely the light side is good, the dark side is evil. I think if we're going from the pure intentions of the storytelling of the universe, I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty clear. As far as everything George has ever said, all of Star Wars is to to teach kids to go for the light, to be good, and to reject the evil, which is dark. Now, I do think um, one thing that Jose says nicely in the chat is that the, the Jedi should study the dark. I think that that's like any good... Like any good military will always study the tactics of the enemy, right? I mean, you need to understand it. But I think the ideal Jedi is, is studying the dark in order to be aware of it, in order to resist it, in order to live in peace and tranquility with all living things, which I think is the epitome of the light side. The dark side is control. The dark side is selfish interests, and I think those can pop up now and then. But to say that, like, you need to be 50% light, 50% dark, I think is an interesting thought experiment for us as adults, but not really the spirit of the universe and not really what the point that Lucas and all his creative sense are actually trying to make.
4: Yeah, yeah. I do agree with that. I like that. I Sometimes I, I worry we're overcomplicating things too much because the source yeah. material really is very straightforward. As you say, Eric, and and sometimes it's nice to have those those myths where it really is good and bad, and, and there is yeah,
0: it is like it's it, yeah, Sorry, I was gonna say one like it reminds me of the idea of like well, you need to hear both sides to every story, and it's like no, you don't. Sometimes <laughs> like sometimes there is legitimately the good and the evil, and I think that a lot of dark side stories come with like it's Maul in season two of Rebels. Like no, Ezra, just listen, listen to the dark and. That ability to for him to give credence to that almost destroys him at the end of that season. So I think that those stories are also warning about that false equivalence as well.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: that's the dark. That's the
5: into the dark. We figured dark. it out. We did it. My brain hurts. Well, let's, uh, it's Rebels. Let's it talk, all goes
0: back to Rebels.
4: Let's talk <laughs> some specifics about that dark side, whatever the dark side is, because we got some interesting information, I think, about it in this novel. And the first bit comes on page 119 when Comac says, Throughout the galaxy there have been legends of objects imbued with the dark side, of amulets and crystals and even glaciers that contained as much malevolence as any living creature. Some said that the most powerful Sith of old were able to do that, to infuse their own darkness into the objects around them. So, that's one bit. Then on page 187, we get this. The Jedi Elders have identified three main kinds of Force artifacts. There are artifacts that contain certain memories or even personalities of past Force users. There are artifacts that enhance a Jedi's ability to use the Force. And then there are artifacts that hinder or confound that ability. Force dampeners, you could call them. So I'm curious, do we have examples of all of these before? Have we seen all of these, or is, or is any of this new?
0: Mm. Well, in Frozen 2, we learn that water <laughs> has memory. And that's also Disney. So that's the Glacier. Check. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kate, um, my,
3: my wife, Caitlin, watched the, um, <coughs> uh, what's his name? Is it Patton Oswalt as the filibuster on <laughs> yeah. Yes Yeah. She, that we, 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 we watched that yesterday. <laughs> it's <laughs> it goes so into good. All the universe crossovers between X-Men and know. Avengers. <laughs>
0: um, good stuff. So there's that. Uh, I mean, we, oh, yeah, Magdalife in the chat. We got four stampening lizards. Isla Miri yeah, and, th- and That's Mary. true. In the throne trilogy, yep. yep. Um we got the uh the the fake kyber crystals in Master and Apprentice stop kyber crystals. So that's <laughs> the colon crystals. Yeah, the colon yeah. crystals, that's right. <laughs> Gross. Um so yeah, they do they do stop that. So I think there's Okay. We've had a little bit here and there. I I, I love the idea of infusing the force into things like the idols in this book and like Dagaba. I mean, the the planet itself is planets can be rich in the force, right? And planets can, um, the planet from clone wars, wild space, the legends book where bail organa, our Lord and savior and Obi-Wan go like that planet hinders Obi-Wan's force abilities to where bail has to become the hero that he rightly is and save the day. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think we've we gotten bits and pieces here and there. Let yeah. I think less so in canon, admittedly. Yeah. But I think we're on that track.
5: A couple more rain, rain, bin force healing each other. There's there's a oh yep yep example. yep yep.
4: I think there are a couple more examples that I thought of because I had these questions beforehand, but uh, I wanted to short, uh, shout out George Mann. The mask from Buyer Beware in Dark Legends is an example of memories oh, yeah. being tied to an object, but specifically memories, yep. not a personality, oh, right?
5: Oh, yeah. But,
4: uh, Moman's Mask in the Vader comic, though, would be a, an actual yep. personality tied to an object, so.
3: Dark mm, uh,
0: side artifacts, I mean, it's, that's,
3: it's out there. Is that what, uh, is that what the stick thing that, um, what's his name, Scott?
4: That
0: was a wow. very helpful description. I don't description. know, man. <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> Marquee on Rose staff? Is that what you mean? <laughs> you know, is that- Wait, guys. Amazing you got- contribution, Corey. I think Corey. the guy's got? She I think the what? guy
5: from-, from Force Collector had a stick thing, too. Are we talking about that? <laughs> you did? <laughs> wow. I make no apologies.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, also, the dagger that Rey has in Rise of Skywalker... You know, for sure, dark side uh-huh. stuff in that. Yeah, that's uh, that, that nice student. thing that what's her name <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that that's pointy what thing. Specific. The pointy thing. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the idea of of I mean, Sith sorcery especially is so creepy and fascinating. I mean, you look at the Bane trilogy, probably is maybe the best. Then Dark Disciple as well. Like talking about, there's magic inherent in the binding of Force energy. Mm, yeah, and. Whenever we get to that stuff, it's really freaking cool. I think it's risky because some authors don't know how to do it. Um, but it's definitely it's been written about. It's around.
4: Yeah. Okay. Um. I'm s- sorry. I'm still chuckling a little bit about Corey. Um, <laughs> the stick thing the guy has. <laughs> All right. Um, don't What's the
3: uh, who's the who's the who's the Sith lords in like uh, Kotor that that. Talks through the statues and he was gonna be Xarkun? That's who I'm thinking of.
0: Xarcoon, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: There's a couple there's a couple of Sith Lords that like embedded themselves like in objects around their tombs yep. and stuff in various help media. And Bane
0: t- in season six of Clone Wars. Yeah. That's right. Mm, Bane does right. it.
3: Um Xarcoon yep. does it. There's one guy with an N
4: that does it too. I can't
0: remember what his name was.
4: No, no, oh, uh, Naga Sato, uh,
6: that
3: guy, not, is that right? Yeah, Naga Shadow, I think is his okay. name, or Sadao yeah. or Shadow, or something like that. Yeah, that guy, too. Yeah, 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 the Sith well, of speaking old. of, that's, so that's, yeah, that's like, who, I, that's who they're talking about. Yeah,
0: I guess it's happened. Yeah, you know, that we're talking about. It. I'm like, this is actually decently common, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah,
4: and speaking of the stick thing What's the his name, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> temples and in tombs and that kind of thing. We knew that the Jedi Temple was built atop a Sith shrine because that fact was actually first relayed to us by James Lucino Corey, in the novel Tarkin. But we didn't know that the shrine itself was referred to as the Shrine of the Depths. And the Sith, Mm. this book tells us, initially built that shrine because it was an area of a force nexus. But then the, the Jedi built over it. And now... Uh, relics and other objects that are imbued with the dark side of the Force are taken there specifically with the intent to purify them. So, again, mm. we see the Jedi kind of considering mm. the dark side something to be purified. But I'm curious, what were your thoughts on getting to see this shrine, getting to see the Jedi Temple, which we've known for so long, in, in a new light?
0: That was dope. That was dope. Yeah, I, thought, I, mean,
3: I thought it was really cool. It, it, yeah. it was hard to... Except a little bit for me, like, of just, like, Sith, I mean, Jedi are just walking around and hanging out in this freaking Sith temple thing, like, I don't know, it just felt crazy out of place. And, like, it, it was supposed to, I mean, like, they have gone out of their way to keep it shut and make sure nobody wanders in there and the stuff, right, shut. so,
6: yeah.
0: That's right, it was made by those who are dead, uh, but I, I, I mean, I said last week, so the, the Coruscant temple stuff was some of my favorite stuff. Um, and this was definitely part of it. I mean, I loved the story in E.K. Johnson's Ahsoka novel where she purifies the crystals to make her sabers white. And I love that, uh, Orla had that same kind of thing. And I love this idea now that the purifying is more like healing these objects, um, from the pain that's been inflicted upon them. Like we learn more in the Kylo Ren comic by Charles soul, that in order to bleed a kyber crystal, you have to infuse it with pain and like hurt it literally. So it bleeds. And the healing kind of, or the purifying heals that. So I like that maybe that's the idea with these artifacts as well, is that all these ancient Sith Lords, all these ancient dark users, have been just inflicting pain and torture upon these objects, however that works. And then the purification, in essence, strips away pain and adds healing. And I think that's really kind of what the Jedi stand for as a whole at this point. I really like that, uh... I was one of the I think we've dropped more mentions of other EU content in this episode than in any other episode before. <laughs> yeah. So maybe this book is really good for making us think about other Star Wars books and comics. Yeah.
4: I mean, there uh, I have a ton- I'm I'm axing prompts left and right right now. Like there's a there really is a lot to unpack about this book. Um I, there are I, I think it it really is good connective tissue, but
0: ooh all but sir beautifully Magdalife just put uh, what I just said the exact opposite idea in the chat, which also may be true. Yeah, which is very exciting. Um, great thing about Star Wars, exactly. What to say?
4: And and no one's right and no one's wrong. But there were two major moments I want to talk about. Who was wrong here? Uh, there were two major moments in this novel <laughs> where Padawans learn about the death of their masters. And the first was Comac learning about the death of Simics, which he indirectly had a hand in. And the second is Reef, learning about Jorah death. And Comac says some crazy things, some off-the-wall things at face value about his experience with losing his mastery. On page 260, he says, It's ridiculous. They command that master and apprentice spend years together, working as a partnership, as close as any family could possibly be, and then they expect us not to become attached. I never thought about it before. I never had to, yeah. but now I can't escape how unfair it is. Worse than unfair, it's wrong. And then later on, page three ninety three, when he's speaking about grief, he said, "There's no place in it for the, or there's no place for it in the Jedi. No place for it within you." So he buried it as deeply as a mine, one that could wait years before exploding. So there's that. There's Komac and how he handled it, and then there's Wreath, who's actually told by a medical droid. Uh, On page 229. (laughs) And his response is is this. As the droid rolled away, Reith leaned against the nearest wall. Breath wouldn't enter his lungs. His eyes wouldn't focus. His ears refused to make sense of the sounds surrounding him. He was nothing but his pulse and breath and the horrible knowledge that Master Jorah was gone. So, does either one of these two handle this situation better? Uh, And I'm curious Hmm. because... We don't really get Reef's internal monologue the same way that we do Comac, but regardless, Comac seems to have a much stronger reaction, almost an anti-Jedi reaction, uh, than Reef. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I really like, I really like Comac's discussion of grief in this book is, it's a really good principle and you guys know I love, I love the flaws of the Jedi discussion a lot yeah. and, um, you know, hear him talk about grief is really spot on. It's like, oh, my master's dead. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> he's the one with the force. They're like the guy anyway. I mean, how are they supposed to respond? Like, it's yeah. just th- there are a lot of flaws with the Jedi philosophy, and you know, I, I do appreciate it. And yeah. Wreath, on the other hand, do they not have HIPAA violations in space? You can just, yeah, dude. talk about like that was that was. Really clever writing to do, um, just yeah. making it be dropped like that. I actually really like that detail.
0: Yeah. yeah, and especially since again they're assuming that at least the large majority of the readership lived through jor Mali's death in Light of the Jedi. So the whole book, like I was waiting for when it was coming. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh god, where does it take place? And then to have it casually tossed to the side, still allowed me to face, be surprised.
3: Like Freaking baseball bat, man! It's just like, oh yeah. snap!
0: And I also think it's interesting because, like nowadays. Even from when the prequels came out, which was, you know, not that long ago, quote unquote, it was still freaking over 20 years ago. <sighs> Oldness. But I think that our cultural conversation about grief and about letting yourself feel pain and sadness has evolved a ton. I think that we are very much more nowadays about, like, you, you it's okay to feel grief. It's okay to experience sadness. Like... <laughs> you don't have to just be okay. You don't have to just push it aside. You don't have to say like, oh, they're in a better place. They're in a better place. Like, no, the grief is an important part of the process. And I think that both Comac and Reith experience the, the inability to process that differently. And I like the way Claudia Gray writes it. I don't think she writes it in a preachy way. I don't think she writes it in a one is right. One is wrong kind of way. I love that. She just presents the options. And I think that's what really good writers Hmm. do is that, here's how this character feels, here's how this character feels, and how you as a reader interpret that will allow you to make your own decisions about the events themselves. I think that's really smart of her to do it that way.
6: Mm, yeah.
4: Okay. I I like that. Um, you know, I I think that in this new era of Jedi that we're learning about, I think it's interesting that the Jedi are – having all the same thoughts, all the same feelings, making the same mistakes as we've always seen them make before. I don't know. And, and one thing that really struck me was Comac's comments on how you're not allowed to grieve in this book, and yet we had the Kyber Arch first presented to us, which is literally a monument to remember all the people that have died. You know what I mean? I, it, it feels like almost a monument mm-hmm. to grief and a monument to remembrance. So uh, I just found that a, a little bit curious. Um, yeah, uh, there's, there's gotta be some good Yoda quotes somewhere about, uh, about grief
3: and death oh, yeah. and, and stuff like, uh, like, like yeah, he has some words of opening uh,
4: yeah. lines for the clone wars TV show. There's gotta be something in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally all about like, you know, they're like celebrate that they are one with the forest. Now is like very much it's present in A lot of major religions, right? Like, um, it's all about the positivity of them being gone from a bunch of different faiths. And I think the Jedi kind of had their own spin on it in that way. The Kyber arch is the ultimate. Now they're a part of this giant thing their light, their crystal lives on. And isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? It will teach people. Isn't it a net positive? It's like, yeah, this is (laughs) awesome. Like it's not though, but it's not guys. It's not awesome.
4: All right. Well, one other really interesting thing that has to do with the Force, and then we're going to jump into Easter eggs. On page 411, Dez. Good old Dez, who we really haven't spent much time talking about because we thought he was dead for two-thirds of this novel. um, He (laughs) decides to take the Barash Vow. And according to this novel, the Barash Vow was an extreme commitment to gaining ultimate communion with the Force. And those who took the vow spent years, sometimes even decades, in deep meditation and in solitude. And now we knew what this vow was. We've heard this term before in the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith comic line, in which Vader searches out a Jedi Master who was someone who had taken the Barash Vow. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Kirak Infila is how I'm pronouncing it. I don't know how you say it, but he was a really cool dude. Um, Anyways, in that comic, the vow was presented more as like a means of atonement. Uh, And in this novel, on page 412, Reith, when he learns about Dez's decision to take this vow, he says, But why? The vow, it's taken by Jedi who've made terrible mistakes. You didn't. You haven't broken your connection to the Force. No, Des said, that was broken by the gear. The healers have pieced it back together again, but it's shaky. <clears throat> the cracks are showing. It won't hold, not unless I commit myself with all my strength to renewing it. So let's unpack that because that's actually a massive revelation, I feel like. Yeah. You can lose your connection to the force based on someone else's actions towards you. And someone else other than yourself can restore it. So did we know any of that before? And do you feel like it jives with the overall message of what the force is?
0: I I mean I think it I think it definitely it jives. I think it can definitely jive. I think the idea mm-hmm. of like you know, the the force, essentially the living force, if you will. Hey, hey. Uh is the connection of all living things to all other living things. Right? It's while you're alive, it's the power that it is the rock and the tree, and all that stuff. Corey's favorite monologue. And, like, any kind of dark side magic, like, can affect the Force, uses the Force to do things, so why couldn't it, you know, stop the flow in someone? I think that's definitely a, a not out of the realm of possibility as far as Force powers go. I mean, Nihilus, eight planets. Like, who are we to say you can't stop your chi? Um, (laughs) But I also like the idea of, like, having a healer, having someone, if we're going to go to another (laughs) pop culture, like Avatar Last Airbender, Having in uh, Legend of Korra, when like benders lose their bending and they go to healers that have to like use the healing waters to like restore their connection to the Avatar state and all that kind of stuff. By the way, they're on Netflix. Go watch them right now. They're amazing. Um, I think that kind of idea is, is definitely prevalent in Star Wars that you can ask again asking for help as part of the grieving process. So if you want to bring it all together, right, Des needs to ask for help. From someone that can kind of help restore him, because you can only do so much on your own. If you're hurt, if you're grieving, if something's happened to you with trauma, especially, you can't do it all on your own. You have to have someone else help you out. So I liked that idea of it as well.
5: Yeah. So Des was the more outgoing, <clears throat> or going between him and and Wreath, right? So he yeah, was yeah. the. So, who he, he was your one of your favorite Jedi, Corey? The one that in in the Clone Wars. Um uh I I can know, always forget I always forget his name <laughs> in, in Dark Disciple the main <laughs> guy
3: yeah. Yeah. Quinlan
0: Voss, Voss.
3: Quinlan Voss. Voss for some reason yeah. his name always escapes me you guys know i bad with names anyway
5: Sure <laughs> So he's like True. the adventurous type it's almost like he what he felt he was yeah. maybe superhuman in some sorts um mm-hmm. obviously cause he's a Jedi but um when he was tortured by the Dringir, this could also point to the Dringir being force sensitive with the dark side too, um, and them being able to break him in such a way that he doesn't trust himself anymore. And so, much like uh, y'all were talking about, he needs to go on that uh, extensive meditation, to try and mend those wounds that had uh, that the Dringir had put upon him. Because I'm sure when when he was taken, the first he thought he maybe he could do something. There's probably a backstory there about mm-hmm. him trying to fight off the gear when they were torturing him. Yeah. Um, but they probably slowly through their poison and then their thorns and their you know um, various types of torture that <laughs> they, they kind drugs. of got into. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. And then Ooh. I mean, even barely getting out of that. Well, I'm not even don't remember that. But the planet name was <laughs> or what they, even if it was named. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole arc of. Um, the escape pod, the hyperspace escape pods or whatever those yeah. were, that was very interesting. But, you know, circle it back around. I think he was he was broken and he does need to, he needs to mend somehow.
0: Yeah. Cheryl brings up in the chat a uh, really nice uh, one-to-one. Dez, he's like the Winter Soldier that we're seeing yeah. now, like lost himself and then has to kind of come back to this point where he's not who he was before that happened to him and he's got to kind of figure out who to be, how to be a person again.
4: Yeah. I Pick like Dez. thorns out. Yeah, does was cool. Does quite a bit. Des was cool, but all right, y'all. It's time to move on to Easter eggs, connective tissue, and random it. ideas. So let's do this. Uh, let's get this out of the way right off the bat, as confirmed by Charles Soule on Twitter. The Maxine Station from this novel is the exact same one where Snoke welcomed Kylo and his amazing hat in the Rise oh. of Kylo Ren comic. <laughs> The same exact one. So Go back and look up the panels. I forgot I didn't
6: know
3: that. Yeah, same place. I didn't know that was really there. it's funny.
4: And now, the Amaxine Warriors themselves, the people the Amaxine station was named after, actually first appeared in Claudia Gray's novel Bloodline, but were also mentioned in Resistance Reborn and the Rise of Kylo Ren comic. But here they are once again. So they're getting some play. On page five of this book, a group of Bith are drinking Port in a Storm, and Port in a Storm is a high-octane wine first written about also in Bloodline, but retconned into Attack of the Clones as one of the drinks in the Outlander Club. And it was also mentioned yeah. in Master and Apprentice, making this Gray's apparent favorite Star Wars alcoholic beverage.
0: Love it. love it, love it, love it, love it. Now It's also a recipe, I what? believe, in the Batu cookbook. Yes, I, is it? I, I think you're right. Yes.
4: What's
3: it called?
0: What's
4: Port, it called? In a Port in a Storm. I would drink Port one. In I don't know what it is, but it sounds good.
0: <laughs> I'd drink one or six. Yeah, it'd be great.
4: <laughs> so on page 12, Grief thinks to himself, you're falling prey to pride. Too much pride in yourself is proof that such pride is unwarranted. And uh, it's not really a, a, an Easter egg, but it did remind me a lot of one of the Clone Wars opening lines. Too much pride in yourself is mm. proof that such pride is unwarranted.
0: That'd be great.
4: Now, on page 14, one of Reith's classmates is taunting him and says, rolling her eyes. Her name was Kim, by the way. Freaking Kim. She rolls her eyes and she says, thanks for the lecture, Master Yoda. Now, will you loosen up and have some fun already? First of all, Kim, don't you use Master Yoda's name in vain, okay? And second of all, (laughs) don't tell me how to live my life. He literally
0: teaches kindergarten for 400 years. The guy's fun. Okay?
4: Well, also on page 14, Reith mentions wanting to see Emery and Vernestra at Starlight Beacon, both characters from Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage. Um, also on page 14 this was a great page this is about wreath it says he smiled he danced he drank certain beverages that while not technically forbidden were frowned upon for padawans his age so time out time out on this one for a second because one have we ever seen a drunk jedi especially an underage one because that sounds like a real rail avaros thing to do
0: I was gonna say it's got to that's be real lives, right? All we were thinking it was not- real Two, Buy you some beer. Two, maybe that
4: this is, is why Yariel Poof can't ever keep his head from wobbling back and forth. <laughs> Three, do you think that there's a "don't drink and use the force" rule? Because if not, there really needs to be. And oh my God. four, what is, what exactly is the age for drinking in this galaxy? Shouldn't it actually be based on like the species, like your species and how it ages? Because Grogu yes. is fifty. Can he, can he drink <laughs> Maybe, legally?
0: Oh, my God. Maybe every bartender needs to memorize the the age for every species on the planet. Maybe That's part He's of one, bartending You school. must be this tall to one, ride.
3: One-fifth of the expected age of death.
0: Guys, you know, real Avros <laughs> totally had a fake ID that just said Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> like, son, you're 700? <laughs> I sure am. He yes. could have been
5: walking around sneak drinking and, like, taking... Already half drinking drinks off of tables like you do when you're ten years old at a wedding. Oh what? my gosh, yes and then
0: it, it, it is lightsaber. <laughs> if you unscrew the bottom of real Avros's lightsaber, there's just a secret compartment full of booze. It's just a flask.
5: <laughs> Love
0: it. I,
3: uh, I found speaking of booze, I found the recipe. It's uh for port in the storm, it has spiced rum, uh ruby port. I don't even know what that is, ginger liqueur, lime juice, strong ginger beer beer, and a wedge garnish. Wow is actually a fairly Ooh. significant Wikipedia page. <laughs> you know what? A, that lot a lot of be... reference to this. <laughs> that must a lot be of a... references to this.
0: That must be Nora Wexley's favorite drink. That's got that wedge garnish. Oh,
4: port, my port, God.
3: port oh, wine man. is a uh, port. Have to be
0: outdone, Eric.
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. Yeah, port's great. We got to move on. Page eighteen. Uh, we get this quote. Trust me. There's at least one ship in this spaceport that wants our money badly enough to take us straight through the maw, if need be. And this, of course, is the cluster of black holes called the Maw or the Maw Cluster that we see Han Solo pilot the Falcon around in Solo A Star Wars Story. Uh, on page 32, Afi makes a sticky bun out of powder and water, just like Rey did in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Nice, yeah, so nice. Page 33, Reith is explaining Jedi to Afi, and he says, we ground ourselves in a spiritual existence and give up individual attachments in order to focus entirely on greater concerns. To which Afi says, so that means no sex.
1: And and I just
4: wanted to bring that moment up.
3: (laughs) That was a a great great moment. (laughs) That was one of the best lines in the book, I thought. And also classic Claudia Gray, too. It was just like (laughs) straight up her alley. (laughs) So that means no sex.
4: Well, and funny (laughs) enough, there's been a lot of chatter, or there was a lot of chatter when this book came out about this exact question on twitter and other stuff and there was actually a, a tweet from Kevin scott mind you who is writing the next adult novel in the high republic and he was quoting george lucas as saying jedi knights aren't celibate the thing that is forbidden is attachments and possessive relationships so we could be seeing this later in the high republic we don't know
0: well 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 you know if jedi can't have sex then God. i feel better about never having it myself <laughs> okay. so i think that that's the right all right
4: <laughs> And we have learned way too much about everybody tonight. But <laughs> so we are going to press on. Yeah. Page page 36. We learned that the Padawan braid used to be a requirement, but now is actually a choice made by every master. And Jorah Mali <clears throat> does make wreath have one, which is interesting because I, once we see the prequels, <laughs> they seem to be mandatory again, right? Yeah, I, right. I
0: love the idea that Obi-Wan's like, Oh, it looks stupid, and Qui Gon's like, "No, nah, no, nah, it's a rule. No, nah, sorry." And then he gets always like, "Wait a minute! No, sorry, it's a rule." Also,
3: he gets that he gets that thing ripped he out, does. is that this? That was this book? Yeah, it was wasn't the Wookiee baby ripped out. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember it was Ooh. this one or the Dude, last one. Dude, that's not one. like that...
4: one long hair. That's a lot of hair. No, all right, that braid. is
3: that is like a, a significant chunk
4: of his scalp came with that. That is yeah, not good. Well, and. F- i'm getting nauseated (laughs) funny enough comac early in the book thinks to himself that he wouldn't make his padawan have one if he had a padawan so now that we know that wreath will be his padawan we know he he won't have to regrow it so good for him because it's probably scar tissue where it used to be
0: (laughs) yeah
3: exactly (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna have a bald spot there it's like if he ripped out all the stem cells and everything it's all gone i mean he's freaking screwed up now
4: yeah that's gnarly Okay, page 45, Coaxium is mentioned, and Affie actually holds it with her bare hands. Ouch. But cool to see that come back. Epic On page 58, Isomer, the leader of the directorate kidnappers, so the guy that, that kidnapped the two nobles, uh, he's a Lassat, and that's one of the few canon Lassat True. that we've met outside of Zeborelio since yeah. and Star Wars Rebels and yep. uh, Master Jaro, who is Cal Kestis' master in Jedi Fallen Order. So that was fun. On page 60, the Huts are revealed to be behind the kidnapping of the nobles. So they put the directorate up to it. And, you know, so we know not much has actually changed in the crime world between the High Republic and the original trilogy because the Huts were still a, a high and mighty operational crime syndicate.
0: Nope. They get it. Yeah.
4: On page 66, Leox says, remember, everybody, your perceptions define the reality of the universe. And that is a total reference to our boy Qui-Gon in The Phantom Menace when he says your focus determines your reality.
0: Oh, boy Qui-Gon, right over here, right next to me. Oh, yeah, you got Do your you new Funko. It's beautiful.
4: Yeah, if I was to get another one, I think it would be that one. It's wonderful. a good one. Wonderful.
0: And, the, and, the, and his little portrait thing is <laughs> the Jedi Council floor. Oh, nice. So that's funny. Oh, Even nice. though it's a Tatooine pop, because sure, I guess.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, on page 77, Orla says, what in the seven hells is going on? And we—that
3: was <laughs> like that was, a, that was a great. We've line. seen <laughs> hell uh, referenced
4: in Star Wars before, right? Han yelling, "Then I'll see you in hell." In mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, that's what I always go back to. But this is the first mention of seven hells, and so I don't know if this is like a reference to Dante's Inferno or Game of Thrones. <laughs> we don't know, yeah. but it's intriguing that we're expanding on that idea within Star Wars for sure. Now page 93 we get this quote Across the lockers and other bay doors were scrawled some symbols Not labeling but actual handwriting or painting Afy had never handwritten anything in her life Which was hardly unique Probably she'd never even met someone who wrote something down I, this hit me so hard i was like have i never have we never seen anyone write anything by hand in star wars no we haven't. and i really there can't was a think big discussion nope. of, there was a big discussion about
3: this after the last jedi came out because of the sacred jedi texts or books yeah. physical books and like yep. like and did we discuss it was that on this show or did i hear it somewhere else of like the concept of the jedi like being so foreign to everybody in the rebellion era and it' only been 20 years since they were like you know, in the hundreds, right? So like yeah. Yeah. everybody just forgot that the Jedi were a thing, but like the age of the age of I don't know what you would call it, the age of like remembrance is like super short term. Like everybody has super short term memory because nobody writes it like knowledge is ever changing yeah. and fast and it's crazy. So
0: it's 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 the damn kids these days. They just don't practice cursive anymore and that's that's, that's what right. leads to the fall of the Jedi. <laughs> that's right.
4: Well, on page one oh eight we get one of Eric's favorite moments Komak levitates and that is the first time that we've seen that in canon since ray's meditation so cool. in the rise of skywalker
0: <laughs> yeah and i love that he's like i'm gonna fly and then sound like a demon with a booming yeah. voice because that's what i would do <laughs> like hey i can fly you should probably all leave before i kill you with my laser sword it's like okay <laughs> it's me the oh, guy sorry. with the
4: stick thing call it? <laughs> that's what he said <laughs> <laughs> all
3: right it's all what's
0: his name with this stick that's thing <laughs> <laughs>
4: on page 112 we learned that jedi master simix is a philithor which is a giant limbless snake species that was first introduced also in claudia gray's bloodline but how does he wield a lightsaber guys he doesn't have arms
0: with the force With the force
4: all right <laughs> good to know <laughs> on
0: that's my question for everything i don't know because the force <laughs> Force.
4: All right, Comac later on says, "No, I've encountered trees deep in the dark side before. I know what it feels like." Is that perhaps the earliest reference that we've gotten to the cave tree on Dagobah, or do you think there's a bunch of trees like that around the galaxy?
0: Ooh, that, I'd I'd buy that. I'd buy that's mm. the idea.
4: Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, wait, no, I'm so
5: remind me. I think it, there's it, a bunch. I think there's a lot more. Yeah, because in Clone Wars season six.
0: When When Yoda goes to Dagobah, he had never been there before, right, yeah,
3: yeah, the force right. like showed him yeah, so stuff, so I
0: think it's more likely that there's yeah, I think you're right west there's trees, probably similarly other places, but yeah, that's kind of cool,
4: yeah, well, we have some some more drinks to talk about, there's both excellent a- aboard the vessel, so the ship uh you know leox and Affy ship there's both trend uh tea and jetta tea both of those were specifically mentioned so that's mm-hmm. fun uh and sure. then on page 185 tonneray wine is mentioned and that's an Alderanian wine that's been referenced pretty extensively <laughs> now in star wars novels rail avros mm-hmm. drinks it as lord regent of Pijel and Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, Inferno Squad received a bottle of Tonare wine to celebrate the success of their mm-hmm. first mission together. And of course, oh, Tonare is served at Ogus Cantina on Batu, where Zayd Caliday even had a glass at the recommendation of Nan, the bartender, different Nan, different Nan, guys. When <coughs> maybe when he found out that maybe. his favorite Corellian wine was unavailable. So lots of love for Tonare.
0: It's amazing how much it gets drunk rama. considering that there are literally a finite amount of bottles because the planet that blew up. True. That is <laughs> That is a good point.
3: You know, you brought up an interesting point. Sort of secondarily there. I really like to see Jeddah brought to life in uh, the High Republic era. Yes. Like, why are they? Yes, yes, why yes, are yes, the, yes, yes. Why are the those guys guarding the temple and stuff? Like, maybe yep. maybe that'll get expanded upon.
0: I want to see those <laughs> giant the Hyper the Christian. Jedi uh, statues that are like yes. sideways in the dust. Do again, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings with episode. With episode that, like that the Gondor guys. Crazy. Ooh. The crazy
3: music. The,
0: yeah. <laughs> I want it. I want it.
3: That was my interpretation, right there. That was great,
0: <laughs> pitch perfect. <Bah!
5: laughs> Just to ask you, dude. One more time.
4: All right. Bah! And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Page one ninety five. We learned that Scoverbine is a Bival, and the Bival were a species from the agricultural world Proto Branch, which was heavily featured in Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, on page 203, we get the blur reference for all the Mandalorian fans out there. Great. On page 207, we get this quote. The legacy run was the biggest, best thing going in terms of transports. Trusted to only the finest captain. Rest in peace, cassette oh. Rest in peace. Yeah. She was great. <laughs> awesome. On page 215, on the Syrian ship, the Journeyman, which is the ship that was on fire that all the Jedi were trying to rescue people from, Uh, There are Syrians, there are Wookiees, there are Ogamites, and there are Sarkins. Those are the species that are mentioned. Remember, Syrians are Kiadi Mundi species, so of course the Syrians are with the Wookiees. And if the Syrians were (laughs) saved first, they would probably say, but what about the Wookiees? But (laughs) what's interesting about this part is Ogamites, this is their first appearance in canon. Previously, they were a species known to be traitors in legends and the first ogamite we met was someone named anduville who was a female rebel operative who appeared in the tatooine sojourn a comic strip from the los angeles times in
5: 1979 oh yeah, yeah that one charles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: crap, Syrians <laughs> and wookies and this ogamites. Is, this oh is based my. on my research trevor
4: correct me if I'm wrong um, now Sarkins wow. Sarkins were also on the ship like I said and they actually first appeared in the 97 special edition of A New Hope they were actually one of the added cantina creatures it's the uh, the hookah smoking red turban wearing lizard man if you remember him that's his that's his oh, long form yeah. name he goes by Milas um, <laughs> but yeah oh hey
0: hey George what's that what's that what's that admiral guy's name what's his name that's Tarkin okay what's the guy with the little turban uh, <laughs> Sarkin Sarkin <laughs> Yeah And that guy's Tarkin Uh huh
4: And now the f- fun what fact put- about that guy though The face of that mask Of the hookah smoking Red turban wearing lizard man Was actually just another creature's head <laughs> Turned backwards And they just put a turban And it still looked like a face But anyways <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> really really going all out for the special wait, editions.
0: I think what is it? Hookah wait Hook Red Huka Turban Wearing Lizard red Man. Red turban Lizard Come on. Man <laughs> is also the name of my uh
5: is my uh my hardcore band from two thousand and four. So your next fantasy football team.
4: <laughs> my my auto
5: would
6: <laughs>
4: Okay. Page 220, we see the Jedi Council in the Coruscant Temple for the first time in the High Republic, and only three masters are there at the time. And it was Adampo, who's a Yarkorin, a.k.a. Yakface from back in the day, Uh, Rosasin, who's a human, and an unnamed third member. And what's cool is Adampo is described as a male, and Rosasin is described as a female in this book. But in Light of the Jedi, that was reversed, with Adampo being a female and Rosasin being a male. So... There's clearly a lot to, left to learn about this council. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their genders are. We got to get this fleshed out in some upcoming novels.
0: I just love that three of them showed up because the rest of them were like, can I just zoom in? Do I have to come into the office for this meeting? <laughs> like I can just be remote, right? Yeah,
6: that is true.
4: <laughs> um, Good for them. On page 227, there was this bit in the Coruscant infirmary that hit a little too close to home with our current pandemic. A pill droid says to Reef, all hospitals are at capacity in the aftermath of this hyperspace disaster. Every medical facility must operate at full capacity or beyond it, Reef thought, taking in the terrible overcrowding. And that got me. That got me because remember, we read this months ago. I was like, oh, yeah. that's too close yep. to home. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Although, I got to say it to put a little bit of brightness into this talk now. I mean, a lot of brightness because, Charles, you're freaking killing it with these Easter eggs as always. Let's be clear. Uh, I did see this Reddit post the other day that was like an ICU war that had zero patients and they threw confetti in the air. First time in like over a That's year. That's awesome. I saw it. That That's too. awesome. It's beautiful. We're getting there, y'all.
4: Now, also on page 228, Corey, you'll appreciate this. A medical droid approaches Reef in the infirmary and the first thing that he says is, your condition is acceptable. Now, if I started off all of my conversations with my patients like that, oh my word. Just that's, walk in the room. I mean, that's, your condition
3: is, is acceptable. Oh,
0: no, you'd be efficient. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> Do it. Yeah, maybe you would have got here on time, Charles. Yeah. Oh! oh, hey, I was here on time.
4: I was just kind of close.
5: That's true. But okay. A little behind the scenes action, huh, Corey?
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people have no idea. All right. On page 239, when Affy goes out to lunch with Scoverbine on Coruscant. We get this quote. Affie made her first attempt while they were eating at one of the stranger local establishments, a place with checkered floors, shiny red seats, and waiter droids that rolled around on impractical wheels. Now, maybe this is not actually Dex's diner, right? Because this is the oh High Republic. God. But it's got to be a reference to it, it's right? For, yeah, at I least a
0: so. nod. This is 100% Dex's yeah. diner. Yeah,
4: And it, we don't know the lifespan of Besalisk, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. but Trevor, maybe,
0: Jose. Maybe. <laughs> Not off maybe the top it's a family joint. Yeah, yeah. You know?
4: <laughs> but no, if you go back and you look up, I, or if you just remember well enough, look up Dex's Diner. I mean, there are checkered floors. Obviously, we know the waiters were rolling around yeah. on on wheels. I mean, it it fits. So maybe.
0: Oh yeah. Oh you, oh, you mean it's Dex, son of Dex, son of Dex, son of Dex, Dex Dex's son of Dex. Son. That's his name.
4: <laughs> All right.
0: Obi Wan. That was good. Hello, Dex. I'll be right with you.
5: An old, an old basilisk is sixty-one to seventy-four years okay. old. So, well, no oh, that's
1: okay.
3: much. <laughs> only only a couple of these, you know, a couple generations. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've you been possible?
3: seen one of these since I was prospecting on subterrail. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Love
5: it, and it matters how big your pocketbook is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Do you know that it took me 15 oh, years to realize he yeah. had a mustache? What did you think that was? <laughs> Just skin. I thought it was like a shadow. I didn't know. Maybe my TV sucks. Oh,
4: man. <laughs> all right. Oh, Page 248. Nice we line. get the Kaminoan
6: saber dart. Uh. All right, sorry, we did almost all of them. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right on page 248 we get a member of the trototome species mentioned and that's the same species as none other than cloud from the rise of skywalker i think it's the first time we've seen that species beyond that movie
5: uh best character in star wars yeah yeah yep.
4: on page 263 <laughs> sure. uh we get this quote cassell had slightly long front teeth round eyes and a flatly upturned nose that made him resemble a bright blue Vorpak. And in canon, on Star Wars Resistance, there is a four-pack that lives on the Colossus named Buggles. So that's fun. And in Legends, oh, yeah. they popped up a couple of times in the Jedi Academy uh, trilogy, which was recently covered on Legends Lookback. So go have a listen to that if you haven't, haven't listened to those. Cross promotion! Yeah, buddy. All right. Page 282. Grindelids are mentioned. That's Lady Proxima species. Ew. Oh, hell on, yes. A lot of solo references. There are. On page 282, after Orla discovers Leox's stash of spice, he mentioned it's medicinal, which I loved. <laughs> On page 287, Affy says, this is insanely dangerous. And Leox says, yeah, but it's going to be cool as hell. And I felt like <laughs> that, that's just Star Wars in general.
6: <laughs> that is
0: absolutely it. That's also how we started this podcast. Yes. That's a great line. It is a great line. <laughs> on page
6: 318
4: we get this quote lightsaber dueling was widely considered the coolest class at the jedi temple all the emphasis on dueling obscured one simple truth this was a situation a jedi would almost certainly never encounter even once in a lifetime of service only other jedi carried lightsabers jedi did not fight each other in the field or anywhere else for that matter ergo dueling was effectively useless except as exercise and I, we forget this. We forget that there's legit. Okay. Yeah. There's uh-huh. no such thing okay. as lightsaber battles because there's always a lightsaber battle, right? There's so many lightsaber battles. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. wild. But then at the same time... Like qui Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was going say, yeah, Qui-Gon's inner monologue when he fights Darth Maul and Phantom Menace just has to be insane. Like, oh my god! Oh my <laughs> it's god! There's a lightsaber! <laughs> oh, what the hell? Oh my god! Is this a Sith? Are the Sith back? <laughs> like... <laughs> That's it, roughly. But
4: then at the same time, spoiler alert for anyone that has not read uh, A Test of Courage yet, there actually is one Jedi versus Jedi duel in that story. So I won't say any more than that. It's cool. On page 335, Orla makes a blaster bolt move slow motion so she can step around it. And that is yet another new force power. We've seen them frozen in midair and then let go, but we've never seen them just make them go slow-mo. So that was pretty sick.
0: Good stuff. Page th- it's, like Cal- it's like Jedi Fallen Order ish. Right?
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's true. That's a good point.
0: Our boy Cal. Cal cast
4: this. Um, on page 342, Comac says, Nothing a Colto rinse can't fix. So again, we see Colto making its appearance as old school Bacta. On page mm-hmm. 362. We see the quote: "The Jedi moved as quiet as tuca cats." So there's the obligatory tuca cat reference. It is in every canon Finally. novel. I kid you not.
0: Oh, they're great. Oh. They should be
4: after page four or, or on page four seventeen, rather. After Orla buys her new ship, right? She buys this brand new ship to go off on her way seeking adventures, and she says, "I'm calling her the Light Seeker." And the sales droid says, "Duly registered." And all I could think was there's no way that that name is available. Like if you ever been on a website and it's like, <laughs> it asks you for a username and your first attempt is taken, that's totally what would have happened here. The droid would have been like, I'm sorry, that's taken. May I suggest light seeker
0: four, five, seven, eight, two,
2: nine.
4: Yeah.
0: Oh my
2: God.
4: And that's, I love that's it. where we'll wrap it up on that stupid thought. So that'll do it for the into the dark round table. Now let's go back. Let's re-rate the book on a scale of one to ten. If your answer changed, tell me why. If it didn't change, tell me why. And finally, give me any last thoughts that you have, um, Eric. I will come to you first.
0: Great. Uh, I think I rated this book a seven point four on the first go, and um, I'll, I'll make an I'll give it. I'll get a seven point five. I think is where I'm going to stick with this one. Uh, I liked. I like all the stuff it introduces in a theoretical sense. Um, like the freaking God, the, the everything about the higher public is so fascinating. I love all the lore. Ooh, super chat from cad, Ben serious props for Charles's stellar research. Thank you so yeah. much. hundred percent. Holy eating, crap. Man. Yes. you uh, always, he, he always
3: find that's right. <laughs> you well, always find some crazy reference that's just like ten levels deep, and it's pretty impressive, Charles. Yeah. Seriously,
0: and that's and honestly, it's that stuff that really made this book stand out to me more than the book itself. I, I the we talked about with the Jedi and the expansion of four stuff is cool more so than maybe the Dranger, which is why I don't rate it necessarily higher. But again, at your baseline Claudia Gray character level, it's still going to be a good book. I mean, let, let's be clear, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think the bar is so high, it just didn't necessarily hit it for me. Uh, so a respectable 7.5 is where I'm going to stay for Into the Dark.
3: All right. I'll keep i I'll keep, I'll keep mine at 7.5, too. Like, I think you're right. I think it would be a crime to put anything by Claudia Gray less than, like, 7.5. Like, for real. Like, just, I mean, she's an incredible writer. She does her research, like... Um, she's still a superstar. This this book hit a little more like Bloodline did for me. Like, that's the other quality of great novel that's not maybe quite as popular as her other stuff. Um, and I, I just didn't quite love that one as much as a lot of people did. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about this. There, I like that it did expand on the High Republic a good deal. We got to see more of kind of the different angle of, of adjacent events that were happening, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be excited what... Is coming down the pipeline next. Kevin Scott's novel is the next yep. one, I believe, yep. right?
0: Ooh, uh Yeah, it's gonna be uh, at the end of June. Yeah, yeah. So we have a little yep. ways, but Ooh, and then uh, yeah. Justina Ireland's novel is essentially the spiritual successor to this one.
5: Yes. <coughs> All right, Wes. Um, I think I rated it at somewhere like eight point four. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to to move it down. Um mm-hmm. to to eight point two. Um, now that we we talked about it a little bit more um I did like the how it was different the um how the how the villains were were different with the drain gear um didn't necessarily like the drain gear um as an as a as a villain to go up against the jedi but um I wish the story was more involved with um with light of the jedi and that whole overarching plot it kind of seemed like they skimmed it a little or she kind of into that, it a little bit, and then had a whole different story with um, with the the AMXing station mm-hmm. and yeah. and going back and forth. Um, so I kind of wanted it to either branch off of Light of the Jedi more, um, but um, it was still a really good read. Still a really yeah. good read. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it, it. Um, but I wish it kind of had, uh, had 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 played more off of Light of the Jedi than it did. Yeah.
4: And I'm actually – I'm glad you did that, Wes, so that I'm not alone because I actually am also going to move my score down just a little bit. I think I gave this – I feel a little bad.
0: Well – This is like a new – this is a new precedent for it us. Is, it uh, is. But it I want to be very
4: clear about Being why hardest. why I'm doing it. So I think I gave it an 8.0 if I remember correctly, and I'm moving to a 7.8. Not, not much. Um, but mm-hmm. here's the thing. I, I, I'm dead serious when I tell you I enjoyed reading this book as much as I did Light of the Jedi. Very different kind of book, but I had I had just mm-hmm. as much fun. So I'm not rating the fun that I had or or how much I enjoyed the read. I through our conversations, I can appreciate some more uh, plot holes or some not plot holes, but things that I think could have been fleshed out differently uh, yeah. that would have made like the we, story progress. Like, like we knew the yeah more effectively. I think it could have been a, a stronger, yeah. tighter story in and of itself. That said it is a great addition to the high republic and this is not just yep. a story contained in this novel we we know there are outside pressures there's a massive story that's going on this is phase 1 like th- there's much more to this and it, and the high republic yep. in and of itself is fantastic this book is fantastic for what it is <clears throat> and there's there's so much more to come and it's only going to get better
3: for sure yeah. i think
4: this book is in the
3: utine reading order i think we have this book placed in tier 2 um which is the should read category right mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not like in the top like 20 books you should absolutely read first like because you absolutely have to read them but i think it's definitely up there with should read um it's it's like it's worth doing it's it's a it was a fast book too i mean i read this in one day like i mean yeah. given it was kind of a manic day but still <laughs> Like you could probably do this in two or three sittings on a beach or a vacation and get some enjoyment out of it. know, I actually saw a lot of people online saying they enjoyed it more than Light of the Jedi. So totally. you know, if you did, that's your game. Nothing wrong with that. We're just four guys with four opinions. So Yeah. You know, don't let us sway what you think of it.
0: Yeah, and I guess we don't say that as much on books we're like over the moon about, but that that always remains true in these round tables. And like as as we end tonight, we really want to make sure that if you freaking loved Into the Dark that's awesome. I'm so stoked yeah. that if that's like a 9 or a 10 book for you, hell yeah. I want every yeah, book to be awesome. a 9 or a 10. And, like, that's that's so cool and nothing that anyone says should take away from that. And if you don't love a book everyone else loves, same kind of deal. We yeah. are, as Corey said, bringing you our opinions. We've always promised to be honest with you guys as an audience. Um, and we've, got, we've, we've gotten the occasional flack for being a little too high on some books. But, yo, we really love some stuff. So we will always tell you what we think. And obviously, the next round table uh in a few weeks again we'll we'll give you we're giving Charles a little bit of a break uh before the victory's price round table <laughs> We'll round out it's the Alberts squadron trilogy um a very different kind of conversation, obviously with that one. We can't wait to share with you all uh, but before we go, we do want to take one last chance and say thank you to everyone in the chat who has stuck around. All your comments tonight were astoundingly good and it's seriously one of the coolest things about doing this show. We hope we see you every week. A very, very happy birthday to Cheryl Bell, who joined us. Uh, And as I do my little outro here, we will talk about how we're going to hang out with her just a little bit. But as always, Charles, just mind-blowingly good work on these prompts. The Easter eggs, they rival anything out there on the Internet. Cannot wait for your next ones, buddy. Cannot wait for more higher public content. But on that, my friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you already support us on Patreon, head over to the Discord and join the Aftermath Birthday After Show video channel to hang out for the after party. A special thank you goes out to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for your amazing support. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles Zetzi Hankel. West is at Boss West. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. Thank you to all of you in the chat for hanging out. And as always, may the 4th be with you.
2: There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion.